Oh, that was excellent. My word, what a blessing this morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord, is it not? Wow, it, it doesn't get better than that. I'm, if, that uh, if that doesn't bless your exciter, then something's broken. And uh, we're glad. Thank you. And brother, what incredible. Uh, I had forgotten about that hymn. And what a beautiful uh, beautiful arrangement uh, to focus us on that strong and mighty name. Remember? His name is a strong tower. Proverbs 18.10, that was the passage. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. Amen. Um, now, I, I want to make sure that you knew what they were saying there. You know, over and over, the choir was resounding the word, uh, Alleluia. Or, just another version, Hallelujah. Do you know what that means? We sing it all the time. Do you? There we go. In case you didn't hear that, I'm going to teach it to you, okay? The Hebrew word hallel means praise. The word lu is the, not l-o-u, l-u, hallel, lu, and then the last three words, uh, uh, letters is Yah. Now it's J A H, but in Hebrew, J and Y and the sounds are interchangeable. Okay? So Hallelujah, or the abbreviation of Yahweh. Okay? So praise the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah! Amen. And he deserves all of our praise. What a blessing it is to be at Meadowbrook. I have loved your pastor and his wife for pretty close to 10 years now. As he stated, we were able to be at their church in Lake Charles. Uh, he moved here. We are constantly passing through on 20, going from Atlanta to Birmingham, past Talladega. I grew up in North Carolina. Okay, so NASCAR, I'm, unfortunately, is in my blood. And uh, so I, I know of Talladega, and we have uh, team members uh, that live over in Anniston that used to travel with us, and, of course, the Bain kids traveled with us, uh, some of them, and uh, uh, his daughter's husband, their son-in-law, was our sound man uh, years ago. And so I have all sorts of connections here uh, with you, and... It's exciting. And then learned other uh, brothers and sisters this weekend. And we had a joy uh, just uh, opening God's word and talking about our marriages and talking about what God is doing, you know, and how we can be a better husband, how we can be um, a better wife. And so I wanted just to sort of key in on that thought and keep our theme uh, for the weekend. And the, really the, the best way that I know how to do that is for us 
to look at the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I have Ephesians 5, 18 up for you, but I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to look at that in a moment. The title that I choose to uh, share with you this morning is The Spirit-Filled Family. In Ephesians 5.18, don't get drunk with wine, for that is excessive. But be filled with the Spirit. Now, if we had opportunity, we could take some time and could sort of flesh that out and find out exactly what that means but unfortunately, we don't have the time. So I'm going to just tell you where I'm coming from when I talk about being spirit-filled. I think it is just uh, another way of saying uh, spirit-filled is that we are spirit-controlled. We are controlled by the spirit. If you look at that verse right there, uh, that's the contrast that's made, right? Don't be drunk with wine. Unfortunately, in our day, there's a lot of Christians that are sort of gaining a loosey-goosey kind of spirit toward alcohol. Um, I'm, I'm like the president of the Florida Baptist Association, who was uh, in the pastorate over 35 years, still is, and he said, you know, in all of my years of ministry, I've never seen anything really good come out of alcohol use. And I tend to agree with that. I'm a teetotaler. Uh, I've, I've never had strong drink pass my lips. Hallelujah, my father taught me that way. And I really haven't missed anything. I mean, we have Mountain Dew. Uh, you know, people are saying, you said you didn't have any strong drink. Well, I haven't had the buzz stuff, you know, all the energy drinks and all that stuff. But um, we, need, we need to be careful. For sure. Now, I can't say that Scripture says that all alcohol use is wrong. It for sure says, though, we cannot be drunk. And here it says, don't be drunk with that strong drink. But why? It controls us. Those of you that have been drunk before, you know what I'm talking about. But be filled, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. When we're saved, when the Lord brings us into the body of Christ, He gives us the Holy Spirit. And if we will allow Him by our obedience... He will take us and He will control us. And I promise you, my dear brothers and sisters, we will not regret any way that the Spirit controls us. We might regret how drink might control us, but uh, we will not regret that. Okay, so you have probably now turned to this passage. We did a little uh, scripture song. I told the marriage retreat that we had uh, taught our children scripture by memory. And we know one of these. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
Self-control against such things. There is no law. Now, if you don't have some little jingle to remember it, let me give you another way to remember these nine wonderful character, uh, characteristics, virtues of the Spirit-filled person. All right? We all sort of remember the first three. That, that, I don't know why it just, maybe that's all we remember of the, of the fruit of the Spirit, but we, we remember love, joy, peace. But here's a way somebody taught me to remember the rest of them. <clears throat> Do you guys ever come up behind a, um, a car and they have a, like a vanity license plate, you know? And you're sitting there and you're trying to figure it out. You know, you're like, okay... They have GR and then they have an eight. Okay, well now that's great, great, you know, and then grandma, you know, or something like that. And uh, well, suppose uh, you come up behind a license plate and it had, listen carefully, it had P, K, G, F, G, S. Okay, PKG, FGS. You would look at that and say, well, now, where I uh, live in Michigan, we're in the middle of 40,000 acres of fruit farms. Okay, so now I'm giving you a hint. Uh, I would say, oh, that must be a fruit farmer. They grow figs. Okay? And they, uh, they will, you know, package them. Okay, so uh, I'm a fruit farmer. Package figs. PKG, FGS. That's the next six. Okay, love, joy, peace, faithfulness, goodness, uh, or fa- <laughs> I'm getting it wrong. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You say, that doesn't help me, pastor. Okay. Uh, just turn to the scripture, okay, and, uh, and, and just read it, all right? Anyway, what I would like to do today is I would like to go through these very quickly. And I would like to um, highlight the virtue, each one, love, joy, peace. I want to have a little launch verse about it, and then I have some questions for you to ask about your relationship in that regard in your family or in your marriage, okay? After we're finished with the nine, we're done. So, first of all, the very first one, and it's important that we put that uh, first one exactly as the Lord has it for us, love. Now, the word here is agape. If you know any Greek word, you probably know that one. And it just means a, as we taught the marriage retreat, it just means a selfless, sacrificial love. And, and I have, from that love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, I've uh, assigned a verse there. Love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Now, the ministry that I serve in is called Life Action Ministries. And the reason that our founder established that name was that we take biblical principles, biblical um, a truth for life, and we put it into action. 
So, all of these in the green, all of these questions that are in the green, these are the action points. The verse is the truth, the biblical principle for life, and then the, the uh, questions are the uh, ways to apply that truth. All right, so here we go. In love, would your closest friends observing your interaction with family members characterize your behavior as loving? In other words, are you known uh, in your family, most importantly by your spouse and your children, but also by others? Are you known as a loving individual? Do you treat each other with selfless sacrificial love or is another word characteristic listen that listen to it are you selfish unfortunately because we are sinners uh, we tend to gravitate to that selfish, not selfless. And yet, this is the very first thing that the Lord tells us. It's the very first thing of this nine-pronged idea of the fruit of the Spirit. It certainly is something that the Lord wants to do through our life if we will allow Him the control to be loving. At the end of that 1 Corinthians 13, remember how it ends? He says, there's faith and there's hope, but the greatest of these is love. Exactly right. Are you a loving person? Do you love the Lord Jesus? Honestly, if you will love the Lord Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, guess what? then you will love others like you love yourself. And he says those two things are the greatest of all the commandments. So let's uh, ask our Lord if your life is not characterized by love, if it's characterized by self-centeredness, then let's ask the Lord to make a difference, to bring about change so that it'll be more aligned to what the scripture says. Second, love, joy. And here's the launch verse for that. It's out of John 15. If I could, if I could quote the whole uh, chapter of John 15, I would do that because that is the greatest passage within the whole New Testament concerning this whole thing called joy. These things I've spoken to you, you know, in the first 10 verses, he's saying there, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So here's the questions. Do you, do you know the difference between happiness and joy? You know, happiness is temporal. Joy is eternal. Happiness is based on positive circumstances joy endures through even difficult circumstances do you guys remember a song came out a couple of years ago by Pharrell Williams and it's called happy 
You remember it? it you, for about six months there, you couldn't get away from it. You walk into Walmart, you go into, you know, some restaurant, you know, happy, you know. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not complaining about the song. It's a nice, positive, little happy song, this kind of thing. However, when a person is going through something really hard, something really difficult, a trial, you know, uh, my father-in-law, 18 months ago, had to uh, have his entire bladder removed because of bladder cancer. The doctors told him, they said, he, he says, do I have to do this? He's 86. You know, he knows that his life is toward the final chapters, and <clears throat> they said, well, you don't have to do it. But uh, bladder cancer is an awful way to die. Okay, sign me up. <laughs> My father-in-law is one of the most positive people that I've ever met. I mean, he always sees the glass half full. But that one sort of took his breath. And then on, uh, uh, after that, there were some post-operative complications. He had a, a bad weakening of the muscle wall, and so he had a huge hernia that he just now had repaired. They were afraid that he would die on the table. Uh, he didn't because so many people uh, were praying for him. <laughs> so, in fact, the prayer request pastor for him was stuck in one of the little slots of the wailing wall in Jerusalem. Somebody had written his, you know, took it over there. He said, I know if I'm being healed or in the Lord's healing me or he's not uh, by, where, by the location of that prayer request. He says, if it's blown away into the Palestinian side, I won't be healed. <laughs> Pardon me if there are any Palestinians in the audience of that descent. But uh, he, uh, you know, he, he has joy. He... He's, he's just, and that, that's certainly not anything of, uh, of his own strength. You know, we just really can't. I mean, life is too difficult. We just can't kind of pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, right? We need something different than that. And so do you understand uh, the closeness between joy and grace? In other words, God's grace is what helps us to have that joy. And I know you know definitions of grace is uh, God's, uh, God's riches at Christ's expense, G-A-R-A-C-E, or unmerited favor, or, or the way life action teaches it. It is the desire and power. Uh, this is sanctifying grace. It is desire and power to accomplish what God wants us to do, to, to obey Him. But what I mean by that, do you understand the closeness? Once again, I want to focus on the words in the New Testament the word for joy is kara the word for grace is charis and you know what in the dictionary they're right beside one another so not only is it good to know uh, you know, it's proximity. It's, it's good to know that if we don't have one, then we don't have the other. If we don't have God's grace, 
we can't have God's joy. And so do you realize that obedience, for the Christian, that obedience is the key to joy? Now, if you didn't realize it, I'm going to tell you, I'm going I'm to suggest that you really do know that. Why? Because you know a hymn. My brother has taught it to you, or you've been at a church where it has been sung. You don't even have to pull out the hymnal as we sing the first verse of this song. But it says that very point, that obedience is the key to joy. Sing it with me. Trust and obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Okay, here's the chorus. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. And that's a biblical happiness, which we call joy. So, if you, and I meet people like this all the time, if you really don't have a joyous life, if there's not a song on your heart, if you're not seeing the glass half full, then try this. Go to God's Word, read it, and ask God to help you to be more obedient. And watch and see if joy does not flood and envelop your life. Okay? Now, number three. There we go. Peace. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. People are constantly in our world crying for peace. John MacArthur said that the only peace uh, that nations have is when they pause to reload. And unfortunately, that's the case. Uh, since uh, Jesus' day, there's been over 14,000 wars. We are not, the, the human race is not peaceful. But Christians can be. We can be full of peace. Wisdom that's from above is pure and peaceable. So, would your home or would your marriage be characterized as peaceful? And here's a couple of application points for that. What is your home's volume? <laughs> it's really funny sometimes to listen to someone when they've moved to a new neighborhood and they have generally people on either side of them. And it doesn't take very long for people to recognize what the household's volume is. <laughs> uh, also, what is your home's tone? Do your children, do you, does your spouse hear 
um, winsomeness, you know, in, in your tone, or anger in your tone. We were just with a former team member last evening. And you know, I'm a family guy. I'm a, I'm a family speaker. And so, honestly, it's surprising that I get invited any place, you know, because uh, he's going to be looking at our family. Well, they're right, I do. And, uh, but I, I was just so encouraged to see how he's got a little, little uh, boy that's, um, he's got a 10-year-old, he's got a little boy, maybe five, four or five, something like that. And little boy, of course, like little boys are, they want to, you know, they wanna, they're interrupting all the time. And, you know, but I watched him and I watched as he, you know, responded. And it's like, <clears throat> he, didn't, he didn't get upset, you know, he just, well, hold on, buddy. Now I'm talking, I'll, I'll talk to you in a minute. And then he turned to him, but he turned to him, you know, in a, in a sweet voice. Yeah, now, okay. There was a guest there. You know, what do, what do we do sometimes? You know, we, we put on the big, we put on the mask sometimes. We put on the right face. And, but, but I choose to think that's the way it is always. Uh, or most of the time, anyway, in that household. He was very gentle and very loving in his, you know, he's, he, he, was, he was quiet in his response. You remember over in 1 Timothy, the Lord just brought this one to my mind, 1 Timothy 3, uh, or is it 2? It says that we're to obey authorities. Why? So that we may live a quiet and peaceable life. Right? What's your home's tone? What's your home's volume? Then, number four, patience. Love, joy, peace, patience. The fourth chapter of Philippians is a very, it's, I'm going to say it this way, it's, it's the most quotable chapter of the whole Bible, other than maybe Psalm 23, okay? But if you think about a New Testament one, it's one of those. Uh, think about it. Uh, be anxious for nothing. But then everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ, uh, in Christ Jesus. That's 4, 6, and 7. Uh, verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's of good repute, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Uh, over in verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want, but I've learned whatsoever state I'm in, therewith to be content. You know, I'm now in the state of Alabama. I'm content. <laughs> I'm really content when I'm in the state of North Carolina, you know. But whatever state I'm in, therewith be content. Uh, it says down below, it says, uh, but my God, verse 19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Remember? But you know, one of those that we don't quote very much is verse 5. Look what it says. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Now the word forbearing there just means having a patient spirit. Psalm 46.10, finish it, be still. 
and know that I'm God. Right, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. Those who love the Lord, those who are called according to his purpose. That Isaiah 64 says, eyes not seen nor ear heard how the Lord works on those or works in behalf of those who wait for him. Patience. It's amazing. The Lord tests this one all the time. He's going to test this one on you. Just after you leave the church here, you're going to get on a road someplace. (laughs) And you're going to come to a stoplight. And somebody in front of you is going to have one of these apparatuses. And they're going to be on it. And the light's going to turn. (laughs) Just happened to me coming over here. Right? What'd you do, preacher? I thought about hitting the horn three times. But I didn't. I'm preaching on patience this morning. (laughs) So, preacher, is that your normal uh, way to respond? Uh, Not always. What about it? Are you... And and when it says, uh, uh, the Lord is near, what does that mean? I think two things. The Lord is near. He's coming back real soon. So his coming is near. But I also believe uh, geographical proximity. Because the Spirit's in us, right? He's watching. He's watching if we're impatient or not. He's watching if we're patient or not. So we are to be so exemplary according to that scripture, that we are, um, it, we're, that's, how, that's how we're known. Known to all, to all men. Because the Lord is near. I can hear the Holy Spirit right now. Son, daughter, you're my child. Be patient. Others are watching. Be patient. My people are patient. They're cautious. Your witness is a testimony to those that are impatient. So be patient. Number five. Oh, let me tell you about this. Um, this is the tombstone, the headstone for Ruth Graham, Ruth Bell Graham which is uh, Billy Graham's wife. She died, I think, in 2007. I believe that's what that says up there. And this is what it says on it. It says, end of construction. Thank you for your patience. Yeah, good. Uh, Pastor Dave, you said you saw that. You've been there and seen that. How many of you ever gone to Billy Graham's, uh, what is it, at the, is it at his, uh, not the cove, but the other place? Uh, the museum, right. I mean, anybody been, ever been there? Did you guys see it? Um, she was driving through a construction zone one time and came out of it, and that's what it was, there, uh, was on the sign. 
you know, end of construction. Thanks for your pay. She says, that's going to be on my tombstone. And there it is. Cool, isn't it? What a blessing. What a, I mean, her life is still a testimony, even as she's now uh, with the Lord. Patience. Okay, the next two we're going to put together because they are so closely connected. Kindness and goodness. There's a brother, I don't know him well, I've met him three or four times, who is the president emeritus of Asbury College in, uh, in uh, Wilmore, Kentucky. Uh, it's where God in 1970 brought this incredible revival. In fact, I was just listening to the first-hand account of that this morning in my preparation as, and in my study. And uh, Dr. Kinlaw is one of the nicest people that I have ever met. In fact, we were at a meeting, one of these conferences, and he and his wife, who's now been with the Lord the last four or five years, but uh, they were seated in one of these little high-back chairs. I don't know what you call that, you know, but, um, but it was really only made for one. And so they're sitting there, and she's kind of sitting on top of them, and they, this is when they are in their late 80s, okay? And they're oblivious to everybody else. And they're just enjoying one another, you know. And people were walking by, and they were kind of looking at each other and saying, look, look, isn't that cute? Look. And it was. It was so. Dr. Kinlaw said this. Please, if, if you hear nothing that I say today, hear this quote. He says, I have never truly met a mature person, spiritually speaking, a spiritual mature man or woman, who isn't also kind. Whoa, that's a good barometer for us. Are we kind? So here's the questions. Does righteousness, that's goodness, does it rule your home? Would you say for the most part that God is obeyed? That that's, <clears throat> and <clears throat> husbands, fathers, that's, that's our role. We are like the shepherd. We are to lead our family in righteousness, in goodness. Does your speech, actions, and attitudes display kindness? Do you prefer others above yourself? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. That's our next one. Moreover, it is required, this is 1 Corinthians 4 2. It is required in servants that one be found faithful. There are a lot of measurements that. Uh, people put upon a church or a pastor that in their mind connotes uh, success. Now here's the biggie in America. Uh, do you guys remember, I'm a baby boomer, I just turned 60. Uh, those of you that are my age when we went to McDonald's as teens or as children, 
They used to have on the McDonald's, they would say, two billion served. Remember that? Three billion served. Then after a while, they just said, billions and billions served. And then I guess when it passed a trillion or something, they just took the sign down. They don't say it anymore, right? But what were they saying with that sign? They're saying, we are a successful restaurant. Why? Because we sell a lot of hamburgers. Now, it's easy to take that mm, cultural mentality and slide it into the church. It's what we call the nickels and noses syndrome. What's your offerings? How many people go to church? That's how a lot of people... So if there's uh, 500 plus, 700 plus, it's different, pe different for different people. Well, then that's a successful church. But if you're a church that's 35, well, then what's wrong with you? That's not successful. Who said? Because look what the Scripture says. What is God's measurement for success? Tell me. Faithfulness. It's required that servants be found faithful. So our Lord is pleased if there is a faithful pastor and a faithful church, if they're 30, 300, or 3,000. So let's get the American uh, stuff off of us when it comes to church, right? And then in our own individual lives, do you live by faith? Or do you live by sight, feelings, or paycheck? Let me just quote a few, few uh, verses for you. Uh, without faith, Hebrews 11 tells us, without faith it's impossible to please God. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If it's faith, it's not sight. If it's sight, it's not faith. Right? Are you trustworthy, reliable, full of integrity? We are approaching... Tax day. <laughs> You're going to be tempted to not be full of integrity. Now, get every deduction that you are allowed. Okay? But don't get every deduction that you're not allowed. Okay? Just because they might not check up on you. Uh, husbands, are you faithful to your wife with your eyes. We were in a uh, restaurant in uh, Ruston, Louisiana. I walked in and I noticed from my peripheral vision before the Lord, I did not look. I noticed a lady who had a very short skirt on. So, one of the ways that I handle temptation like that is I get someplace where I don't, I can't see, right? And then I look at everybody else that looks. <laughs> so I sat over behind her, over in the corner, and I had a look at her back, but I had a look at the front door. Twenty men walked in for lunch that day. I was there a little early. Would you like to give me a guess of how many looked at her? 
all 20, and some longer than others. Husband, if you had been in that situation, would you have looked? Or would you have been faithful to your wife with your eyes? Wives, are you faithful to your husband with your mind? You know, the temptation point for, for men is the eye gate. Yours is the mind. So, go and dump all of those Harlequin romance novels in the trash can. Because there's no guy that's like that. Okay? And, uh, and don't, don't indulge or imbibe in mental pornography. Because that's what that is. I mean, I cannot believe the garbage, this 50 shades of gray and 50 sh shades darker or whatever. Yeah, it is. It's, a, it's filth. It's raunch. Um, if you went and saw, if you went, I'll, I'll say it very clearly. If you went and saw that movie, you need to repent. Because that is not for human consumption. It's just ridiculous. There's a whole lot of things even less pornographic than that, right? Kids, teens, young people, are you faithful to your parents with your obedience? I was just in a nursing home ministering uh, earlier this week, and there was a, a little lady there. She was 98 years old. I said, I'm going to make a prediction about you. She says, what? I said, you were obedient to your parents, weren't you? She said, I sure was. I said, you know how I knew? Because the Lord said, children, obey your parents. It's the first commandment, what? With a promise. What's the promise? You'll have long life on the earth. You'll live long days, right? So be faithful, young people, with uh, your parents. Okay, let's finish. Gentleness, faithfulness, gentleness. But we prove to be gentle among you, second I mean, uh, 1 Thessalonians 2 says, a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. So, it, uh, this gentleness, and we could, go to, um, we could go to the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 and talk about, um, it, it, right there is, is, blessed are the meek, and that's the same word. It's the, it's the very same uh, Greek word there. Not weakness, but power under control. We were in uh, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. As a matter of fact, as soon as I finish here, we've got a dash to the airport because I'm going back up there for Michael Katz's refresh conference. And uh, <clears throat> um, I was driving. There, there's, you know, there's all sorts of cool names up there. You know, Paradise and uh, uh, Good and Plenty. You know, these are some of the names. But they're uh, Strasburg. Approaching Strasbourg, there was this Amish farmer. And you, do you guys, have you ever been there? Do you see what they use in the fields as they uh, disc their fields, you know, as they plow their fields? They use these monster horses, you know. Um, they're sort of like, in fact, I would imagine they're of the same uh, uh, genealogy or whatever, uh, of... Uh, the Clydesdales, you know, those big, big horses. Well, this fella had nine of them by the reins. 
And he was like this, you know, as they were walking across, because I was approaching with my car. And he was like this, and there were nine of them. And I thought, if you guys only knew your power, <laughs> just one of you could drag him all over this county. But he had them all under control, all nine of them, right? Well, that's the idea here of gentleness, power under control. And that's what God will do for us if we'll let him. He'll let us have that kind of gentleness. So are you empathetic, sympathetic to one another's plight? Are you tactful? Are you tender or do you run roughshod over others? Are you ever characterized as a bull in a china shop? That, if, if people have said that to you more than once, that's it's you I'm talking to right now. <laughs> and do you speak the truth in love? You know, folks, I was telling the <clears throat> marriage retreat this weekend, uh, this point, we are in a very difficult time. The Lord tells us that. He tells us over in, in, in 2 Timothy, he says, in the last days, difficult time will, times will come. And so we as Christians, we are in a difficult time. But you know what? The Lord warned us. He told us that we were going to be. We've just, because we've had relatively peaceful stuff in our culture, we're just, we've just grown soft. But I am very interested in how Christians, how American Christians are responding to all of this stuff. Now, uh, there's uh, one of the first things I could say about that is the Lord tells us to be wise as a serpent. What? Harmless as a dove. Now, that's a, a teeter-tottering balance there that's easy to get out of balance. Here's another one. Do you speak the truth in love? God's word says that homosexuality is sinful. It is sexual sin. But how do we say that in this culture? Transgenderism is not biblical. Male and female created he them, Genesis chapter 2. But how do we say that to somebody that's lost and confused? Right? We have, and guess what? Baby boomers, we're not going to have to take the lion's share of that. We're going to be dead. Our children are. Right? So, but I, I want to say very quickly, if there's, if there's a man or woman here and you have some attraction that you don't understand, take that to Christ. The Lord will help you. And remember, we have an enemy. And that enemy is a liar, John 8, 44. And he's constantly lying. If you have a child, my dear brothers and sisters, if you have a child that struggles here, don't push them out. Embrace them as the love of Christ. Speak the truth, but do it in love gentleness. Let's be firm in our convictions, Christians, but gentle as we apply it. Okay, we're finished except for this one. The next is self-control. 
Now everyone who competes exercises uh, self-control in everything. However, they do it to receive a crown that will fade away, but we a crown that will never fade away. I know it doesn't look like it, but I try to exercise every day, physically speaking. A uh, pastor asked me, he says, have you had a chance to see the new uh, sports facility we've had? I said, no, I haven't, but I really wanted to. So after the tre- retreat yesterday, I took my bike and I went out to, how you say it, Takalaka Park or whatever it is. And, and uh, wow, that, that's a cool place. <sighs> Expensive. In fact, one of the fellows who I struck up a conversation with, he said, yeah, it costs $41 million. I was like, what? <laughs> but how, you know, how beautiful. But, but guess what, guys? Uh, if you do the whole loop, it's about three miles. So I went around it about three and a half times, 10.38 miles on my bike. <sighs> and then after I picked myself up dying, <laughs> because yesterday, going west, there was a strong headwind, you know. And by the way, if any of your relatives, friends, neighbors, whoever, you know, says, there was this crazy fat guy on this bike in the park. That was me. Because <laughs> I kept passing them, you know, saying, thank you, thank you for letting me pass you. you know, it's kind of lame. So, you know, we need, to, we need to exercise self-control in some ways. So here's some questions. Does your home exude moderation in all things? In other words, how's its cleanliness, clutter, consumption of digital media, right? Are you habitually late? Uh, is, these are all areas of moderation for self-control, right? Uh, is there moderation in your diet? Um, does anything control you? Tobacco, alcohol, caffeine, sugar. Uh, this is just the cultural vernacular. Marijuana, weed. Um, the fruit of the Spirit, and it's interesting, starts with love, ends self-control. And really, as we go down through them, if... if if we're doing well and all the others, this is probably going well too. Now, I want to very quickly say, I'm 60 years old, you know, there's been times when all of those things weren't in proper balance, you know, and being confident in this very thing, he who has begun a good work in us, Philippians 1.6, will complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. I'm still living. The day of Jesus Christ hasn't come yet. Uh, he's still working on me, Right? Hallelujah. And he'll continue to do that. He'll continue to do that for you. <clears throat> so, here would be an action point. Just ask the Lord honestly. Ask the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you internally in your spirit. Lord, where am I immoderate? What ways that I'm not what I should be? What ways don't I have self-control? And then, do what he says. Be obedient to that. What a joy it has been for me to be with you. You guys are a good group. I don't say that everywhere. <laughs> you, you, you've been so attentive, and I thank you for that. I haven't watched. I ha- it's amazing, pa- Pastor knows. It's amazing what you can see up here. I haven't seen one of you sleep. I have put people to sleep all over this country. (laughs) 
Thank you for allowing me to come. Are you spirit-filled? Do you have a spirit-filled family? Are you a spirit-filled, spirit-controlled person? Pray with me, please. Lord Jesus, what a blessing. And I'm so thankful for the privilege of being able to be here with my brothers and sisters. I pray, Lord, that we have uh, faithfully delivered your word this morning. Father, I am nothing, you're everything. And I would not in any way impugn your word. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces to the vision of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So, Lord, now in our invitation time, would you have your way, have your will, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, brother? What is the invitation hymn we have this morning? Come just as you are is our, is our invitational hymn. Now, here's, that's a, that's a, great, that's a great line. Uh, none of us have arrived. None of us have... Uh, None of us are where we, sh we should be, you know. Um, sometimes, some days are better than other days, right? But maybe, maybe you need to just uh, drive something, you know. You need to drive a nail in, in uh, your life today. And, and maybe you want to come here to the altar. And maybe you want to declare that by your coming to the Lord or, or whatever. But... Uh, would you just uh, sing this and obey? Remember, if we're truly to be joyous, uh, obedience is the key to that. So don't, don't miss the joy God wants for you, even right now.